understand when you think of your time, your, your life in time, verse 3, the time that is past suffices, it's gone. We're doing what the Gentiles want to do. It's past. Thank you. 
education that we all together are going through as a church family. We've done Heidelberg a couple of different times, two or three times by now, and as you know, we're in the shorter catechism, what is the shorter catechism now? Now, draw your attention to this question of prayerfulness and its priority in the Christian experience. Heidelberg Catechism, question 116. We just finished going through the Heidelberg Catechism weekly in our Calvin Club meeting. I encourage the men here, any of you who want to grow in community and theology, consider joining us at Calvin Club. The Heidelberg Catechism, question 116, asks this very relevant question. Why, quote, why do Christians need to pray? Again, uh, the, the end of everything is here. Therefore, pray. Okay, fair enough. Why do Christians need to pray? Why? Answer, because prayer. I want you to lay this to conscience and consider it with me. Because prayer is the most important part of the thankfulness God requires. What ought I do? Just sober minded, self control. For what purpose? Prayer life. Why ought I do that? Because it's the most important part of your thankfulness that God requires of us. Catechism goes on in the answer of 116. And also because God gives His grace and spirit only to those who pray continually and groan inwardly, asking Him for these gifts. Again, I simply thought to you with Heidelberg to think on, and then I'll move on. Because prayer is the most important part of the thankfulness God requires of us. You see, silence on the matter of transformation and conversion, all owing to the grace of God in Christ, is evident when you know God in Christ acted on your behalf, converted your lifeless body, gave birth to you in 
wherein you are transformed little bit and little bit at a time into the image of Christ. You are a Christian. for some of us or all of us at any given point. Some are, uh, again, the, the pilgrim's journey for all of us is that, you know, we're just making our way through this age, through faith. So sometimes people are praying for uh, uh, prayerful seasons, others are dry, and that can simultaneously be in the same body of the church, in the organs of the church, the same in the marriage, the same in the family. Again, different levels of engagement at different seasons in life. So maybe it's a good question to ask if I'm struggling in prayer. If it's particularly not just we're always kind of struggling in it, but I'm I'm in really strong wrong periods of sleep cycle. What can I do to jumpstart my prayer life? What can I do when it feels like
when you hear that, I don't know what to say other than probably a prayer. I feel so repelled. I feel so sinful. I feel so repelled. And, and, and then your voice begins to mop up. And then you drift off to more callousness and less prayer. Could you just stop the guilt trap and push it back? Immerse yourself in what Jesus then says is his own teaching. Is trouble a wet hair? Like maybe a toenail? Or, or maybe you have a hardship particularly that you're working on and you're kind of silent between you and your fellowship with God, but you know eventually after you have to come on board and watch it. Another piece that I would give, just a kind of pivotal answer to this, I, I would learn really good protection from God. The second thing I would mention that has a rich history in the life of Jesus is sharing with God. Sometimes folks can be a little bit wary of that. I'm not going to tell you everything, but it doesn't want to hurt you. It's not legit. It, it, it's not spontaneous. Um, it, 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 it's just forms for someone else to say we had them. She tells me God, it'd be inappropriate for me to then use that for no, 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 no. That would be a bad way to do that. Relationship is real. Faithful promises, words that are given to do for praise, that's going to be important. But they're, but they're rich. Those oftentimes are rich. This quote, as someone who is currently going through one of the hardest times in my life, I can tell you that it is common that this is common to us in the Valley of Vision that carried through my life. It was the original. Further, as we continue on this text, he gives us two additional ways uh, for us to live distinctly Christian life. Remember, it's in the context of the last days, the end age period, the period of time, the end age. It's already at hand. We're in it. What should we say? Okay, how else can I form my distinctly Christian life for the advancement of Christ's kingdom in these last days?
this week, above all, keep loving one another earnestly. In rationale, keep in mind, since love covers a multitude of sins, you'll notice something very significant about the word love that Peter is describing here. Notice, if you carefully look at the text, look, everybody, above all, keep loving one one another earnestly. The rationale is that love covers a multitude of sins. Notice, then, that what he is describing in using the language of love, he is not describing or prescribing to the church emotional responsiveness. Check that rest of your Be more emotionally loving. In fact, as he directs it here, it's not necessarily even a reflection of one's feelings toward another person at all. Rather, it's decidedly hard. Let me read the text for you again from verse 6. Strive for all of us for the sake of those who are all. In the church of Jesus Christ, above all, love one another. Oh, that must mean, you know what it means is act. Act lovingly. It's not a responsive, emotive, reflective response to you. Oh, I'm filled warmth and peace and goodness and action. No, it's simply to reflect that in the way that you treat one another. Notice the addition in the text that's here. Above all, keep loving one another. How so? Earnestly. The call to earnestness in the text. How shall I love? Earnestly. There are going to be choices. I warn you, as if you haven't experienced it or are experiencing it now, which I know is not true, but I'll say it to you as though you're not. Warning you, forewarning you, there are going to be choices. I want you to think about the folks you worship with also at Redeemer, immediate. Your life lives in the community, your small group, your interactions, your fellowship after, before worship, your confession with these folks, your singing with these folks, your hearing sermons on Lord's Day with these folks. And I warn you, as you think of one another here within this body, there are going to be choices, comments, attitudes, decisions, even behaviors. Above all, 
of such difficulties might come. What will it look like if, if, I, if I love, not again, emotive responsiveness, but I truly love the church of Jesus Christ? Not in the idea, but in actual concrete circumstances. When someone really It's not that they don't know you're annoying. It's not that they don't know you're offensive. It's not that they don't know that you're a know-it-all. They just cover over it. They choose to love you and be more effective. 
is the mark of a, of a, of a Christian community. Again, all of us will have ample opportunity to do our work, particularly in our most polarizing time, to reject love will be an option for you today, perhaps in your marriage. receive offense and reject love as our response. We will all be given ample opportunity to resist the tension. I won't let this be reconciled. No, I won't. Doing the outside. I don't care. Take me in sorry. We'll all have that opportunity to do so. And we'll feel justified in the grounds of doing so. Emotionally responsible. They deserve it. They were defensive. But we will feel that I'm doing the right thing. We'll all have those opportunities, again, to reject love, resist repentance, and embrace bitterness. We will all be given those opportunities. And Peter says, yes, you will. That's why I told you, you have to do so earnestly. Again, you will have opportunities to embrace bitterness and bitterness. Instead, choose love. Cover the cover the transgression, cover the disagreement, cover the ill-advisory and wrongful decision taken, cover over, cover the difficulties of the business by deciding to love the What 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 would we're not talking about massive indiscretion? That, like, therefore, I just choose to love and ignore all things. Remember, the Bible is not contradictory. It's a web of ideas. There are times wherein you enter into the issue of reconciliation. It can't simply be covered over. There are a certain degree of elements and conversations and differences wherein you have to interact differently. What we're talking about, what tends to divide, is pedigree. Oh, that's easy to do. No, 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 it's not. And I'm warning you, it's going to require you to be earnest in your heart. To do what? Chapter 2, verse 1, he already told us. Peter says in his own letter, So put away, as a Christian, one who is converted, born again, verse 22 of chapter 1, enters into chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, as a converted individual, put away malice. Put away deceit. Put away hypocrisy. Envy, put away slander. Instead, do what? Above all, be loving one another. How so? Earnestly. What will the return be? A body that is under fire. It's covering So it moves from my life of prayerfulness and union and Christ that praise God and show my gratitude, and then it shows itself to my neighbor. Those in within my Christian community is the one who loves me. I don't care how much pressure or hate you might throw at me or throw at them. I choose to love them. And, and again, 
in doing so, you're no martyr. You're hoping they're doing the same to you. I would say that all the people in this room have. I assume that just goes with the territory. It, it, it is the way of it. And, and, and I won't care how many of you and all of you have offended me. Oh, there you go. It's the way of it. It's the way of it. And at some level, I shouldn't be asking you to forgive me every five seconds, and you shouldn't be asking me to forgive you. If we're bound, there's a measure of grace and love extended. This covers over pettiness and assumes the best. Peter says, this is above all. The other piece as we move to our last portion for this morning is, again, what, what, what else, as a prayerful individual loving the church of Jesus Christ, the community that I'm located in, what else do I do to show my conversion, my love of Christ and His people? Well, go to verse 9, he adds to it, again, one who is loving and covering a multitude of sins is now welcoming that one. Those folks with that community show hospitality. Again, what? The end of everything is here. He's self-controlled. So we're like, pray. Keep loving the brothers and sisters in Christ. Don't be petty. Cover over. And, and a way to show it is hospitality. Show hospitality to one another, all of you guys, without grumbling, by the way. It's the same as it, it, the way that he instructs you to love. He adds earnestly because he's warning you about what you already know. And he also knows what all of us can feel when you're about to be hospitable, you feel the burden of it. And that can be a case of grumbling. He's saying, don't. Don't. How do we know how to grumble? Everybody does. So he says, be hospitable. That's one way to show, indeed. Love covers over. Covers over, come on over. See what I did there? I did. Come on over. Hospitality. This is how it works. You see, we're working it out. We can't, like, not, not sit down at the same table. Yeah, we can. Come on over. This is how it works. And do it, guys, without the measure of grumbling. Consider it a blessing. I, I think of one small piece on this. Well, I, I say small piece. The direction I want to apply it is for us to think together that despite, and again, I'm not saying something new, I'm saying something rather obvious, but I do wish to draw it to the front of your mind for a moment. The context of loving and hospitality, despite the dominant presence, and I already mentioned this, and I don't want to harp on it, it's the Greek word. And thank you, the word uncomfortable. Again, despite the dominant Whatever your news outlet is, if you go to the, the Instagram feed, 
Jesus whatever it be on social media and its impact. Have a smorgasbord read about all the distractions that are in our world or more so the disastrous transformation that you've heard the quiz like there's nothing social about social media. Do not be fooled. Feelings of loneliness, isolation, and hopelessness abound for people who are supposedly, as we brag, more connected now than ever before. The paradox, then, how can this be? If I know, uh, or I don't know, if I have 10,000 friends, I have none of them. How is it possible to be more social? You ask yourself that question, right? So, and, and you work through those problems, too. Because it is the paradox. I see everyone and everything, and everybody makes sure I see everyone and everything. So a roundabout way, and yet we're all kind of going into a vortex of isolation and loneliness. Even though we have more of a social connection with them ever before, what's the paradox? How do I solve the riddle? What's the source of the difference? Again, why is it? I hope you lay this uh, unwinding of my thinking uh, really hurt you as much as that is what me feeling out in the process and then doing the medical operation. What's the riddle? It's because we cannot keep doing it. I hope you hear it. I won't scream it like I'm about to do. I'll say it hopefully for the sake of fun. Because we cannot exchange face-to-face connection with virtual connection. You heard the word of the Lord. Replacing your real world relationships with social media is detrimental to a relationship. Um, you could kind of say it as one uh, cultural commentator said, quote, one doesn't see a lot of authentic life in social media. It's true. What can we do about it? Christians opening their homes, expressing goodwill, and gaining the trust of their brothers and sisters in Christ. What will it do? What will this apparent being nice do? It will enrich and bless everyone. 
have your heart broken. That will hurt with loneliness. Isolation. I think that I'm not really worried about that. And it will build your family and the families you touch. And it will build your faith. And your testimony will diminish. That is the Father. Father, we ask you to help us as we look at Exodus and talking to Israel. Um, we need fellowship with you. Help our prayers. Help us as by your Spirit to convict us as we try to grow Convict us as we get to your office. Convict us at our homes and at work. Convict us in our life as we to, to confess, to press, to, to submit, to, to be humble, to admit we are in need. Pray that you'll empower us to love each other that we do for better with one another so that our church stays together and doesn't get cracked and those things like that. But that you'll be a testimony instead of you'll drive us. Help us with that task. And Lord, help us to just be willing to know the people that are around us. And our neighbors, that it would extend beyond us, that we would know people 